risen. Amen. 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 <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Happy Easter, everybody. Thank you for, for choosing to come here and to worship Easter with us, to lift up the name of Jesus and to celebrate his resurrection. Ah, it's awesome. Um, if, you're, if this is your first time here, I'm Mark. Uh, this is my wife, Karen. We're the lead pastors here at Impact Rock. And I've been excited all week to preach Jesus, to pre- which is, I mean, we preach Jesus every week, but to focus on the risen Savior, our victorious champion, Jesus Christ. So, very excited. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, go ahead and uh, turn to uh, Luke 23. If you don't have a Bible, but you would like a Bible, just slip up your hand and Mark will get you a Bible. We have Bibles that you can take home with you. Um, so does anyone need a Bible? Just slip up your hand and Mark will get it to you. As we prepare to read Luke's account of the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves at a place that is precious to every person that's ever trusted their life in Jesus Christ. We find ourselves at a place that is iconic to some, but misunderstood to others. We find ourselves at a place that is merely ornamental or decorative to some people. But for those of us that have trusted our lives in Jesus Christ, for those of us who are in need of a Savior, who have yet to trust our lives in Jesus Christ, we find ourselves at a place that was absolutely necessary for our lives to be made right in the sight of a God who hates sin but loves the sinner. So we find ourselves at the place of the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we believe in you. And we trust you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, Lord, to hear your word tonight, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way. We yield to you. Right now, as an act of my will, I yield to you. And Lord, as we read your word, and as uh, I deliver your message, Lord, uh, I ask that it would be me that's heard, but let it be you. Lord, do that awesome thing that you do, where you take the words coming forth, and you personalize them, and you make them unique and special to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to start with Luke chapter 23, verses 33. And we're going to read through the end of the chapter, and then we're going to begin also reading uh, into Luke uh, 24. So we're we're going to be here for a little bit. Verse 33, When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? 
We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was noon. And darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. It's a place where God's love was poured out upon us. It's a place where our sin was paid for. The Father sent His only Son, Jesus, to this earth to pay the price for our sin so that we could be in relationship with Him. I love that passage in John where Jesus says, No one makes me do this. I willingly lay down my life. No one forces me to do this. I do this of my own. I lay it down freely. I have the power and the authority to lay it down and to pick it back up again. And that is what we celebrate today. He laid down His life to pay for our sins. Past, present, and future. Thank God for the cross. But I want to make something perfectly clear. We do not worship Jesus on the cross. The songs we sing about tonight are not Jesus on the cross. It is not, that is not who is victorious. If Jesus was still on the cross, they wouldn't be singing songs about him and we wouldn't be worshiping him. Let's make thing, one thing perfectly clear. It's not Jesus on the cross. It is Jesus Christ, risen Savior, victor, champion, defeater of death. That is who we worship. That is who we celebrate. That is who we sing about. We go to the cross to get to Jesus. And then we go through the cross to life everlasting because of the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. We have to go to the cross. But because of what Jesus did, we don't stop there. We go through the cross and we celebrate the life that we have in a risen Savior. Let's continue in verse 47. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. You know, what's interesting is it says everyone in attendance left there in deep sorrow. We just read about this Roman soldier who helped crucify Jesus. And at moments notice he said, surely this man was innocent. We, we just crucified an innocent man. And they left there full of sorrow. They left there silent. We watched that video earlier that talked about the voices of the cross. 
And we can relate to many of the different voices on the cross. And I've said it before. The voice of the cross that that I most closely resonate with is the voice that's calling out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And, and that, that should be the voice that most of us relate to also because it was our sins that crucified Jesus. People, all, You notice how people always want to blame? They always want to point a finger. And they always want to say, Well, who crucified Jesus? You know, was it the Jews? Was it the Romans? You know, if you want to point fingers, point back, it was me. It was you. Our sins crucified Jesus. Our sins made it necessary that Jesus died to pay the price for him so that we could be with the Father. I don't know why we get so hung up over who crucified Jesus, especially when Jesus says right there, I laid down my life. No one, <laughs> no one forced me to do this. I had the authority to lay it down and to take it up. That's awesome. Verse 50. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish High Council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as required by law. Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. That he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. In verse 5 of chapter 24, the angel asked the women, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? How often do we do the same thing? Many of us are looking to the dead areas of our lives, our past, our hurts, our failures. We look to these dead places and we expect to see Jesus there. Just as surely as Jesus is not on the cross, Jesus is not in those dead places. Just as surely as Jesus rose from the dead and brought us life, 
We are not to look to those dead places of our lives to find Jesus. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who, who is alive? If Jesus left the place of, of death, if he left the tomb, shouldn't we follow his lead? Shouldn't we follow his example? We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. But we look to Jesus, the one who brings us life. Does he care about those hurts? Does he care about those places of death? Yes. But he is alive. And we have the opportunity to have life in Him. And far too often our gaze is set on something of the past. It's set on death or it's set on failures. Let's set our eyes on Jesus Christ. He's not among the dead. He's not in the cemetery. And Jesus is certainly not in the tomb. He is risen and He lives. And Jesus invites us to receive a new life in Him. But we have to believe. Really, we have to believe. We have to believe that we don't have to stay in those dead places in our lives. We have to believe that He is victorious and He can lift us from those places of death. We have to put our trust in Him and believe. I don't care how dark they are. I don't care how hurtful they are. He is bigger. We have to believe. We must take our eyes off that dark, empty hole and set our eyes on Jesus. Believe and set our eyes on Jesus. Before running into these angels, do you think that the women believed? I mean, really believed? Do you think they believed? When we believe, our actions support our belief, right? When we believe, our actions support that belief. I don't care what it's in. If I believe in my wife, my actions support. I, I believe in her. I'm behind her 100%. If I believe in a cause, truly believe in it, man, my actions support it. I get behind it. We see in, in this passage, in verse 1, they showed up at the tomb. What did they show up with? What did the women show up with? It said, but uh, very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Do you think they believed what he said? If they had believed, and it says, I'll read it again. If they had believed that when he, when he said that he must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. That's what he told them, right? That's what he told his disciples. You know what? If they really believed what Jesus said, you know what they would have prepared? You know what they would have showed up to the tomb with? They wouldn't have prepared spices. They would have prepared a sandwich. They would have had a meal. They would have had clothes. They would have been like, Jesus is hungry. I'm making him a sandwich. And the other one would be like, dang it, that's a great idea. I was going to make him. What? I'll bring chips. And they would have brought something. I mean, he's been dead for three days. All he's had to eat for three days was some sour wine. They would have showed up with some clothes. They would have showed up with some food. They would have showed up with, with something to support the belief. Do we believe? Do we believe? If these ladies 
and the disciples and his followers would have believed. They would have been counting down the days for day three. They would have been counting down the days for day three. They would have been camped out by the tomb just waiting for Jesus to burst from the grave. Here's the encouragement we have in the fact that they didn't believe. We can be encouraged because these awesome, mighty men and women of God had doubts, had their faith shaken, just like you and I have it shaken. That's, that's, that's normal. But you know, what's, you know what's incredible? Jesus is faithful to show his love and his power every time, even in the midst of our doubts. See, our, their doubts didn't prevent him from rising from the dead, right? Their unbelief didn't prevent Jesus from raising from the dead. He loves us. He wants to show his power and his life and his faithfulness to us. And then did you see the, the women's response? Did you see the response after the angels reminded them of what, what he said? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was their response. Oh yeah, I kind of remember something like that now. That's right. Oh yeah, totally. He said that. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, the students, the angels, like, didn't you? Don't you remember what he said? They're like, I remember now. <laughs> and then they ran. You know, it, how often do we take lightly the words that God speaks over us? How lightly do we take his words of love and life and hope? And power. We just dismiss them. Oh, that's awesome. That should be like on a greeting card or something. That's really cool. No. Those are words that give life. Those are words spoken to us pertaining to our life. Church, are we any better than those women who showed up you know, to mourn, who showed up with spices instead of showing up with faith? Do we remember? Do we remember the words of Jesus? Do we remember that we are loved? That God has a plan for our lives? And that there's only one thing that we have to prepare for Jesus. And it's not a sandwich or chips or... We have to prepare our hearts. We have to believe. We have to believe. We simply have to prepare our hearts and give it to Him. John 14, 6 says this. I am the way, this is Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Church, that's one that we better remember. There is no other way to be made right in the sight of God except through the work of Jesus Christ. No other way. It's not by our own actions. It's not by being good. You hear that a lot. I'm a good person. Well, that's not the way. I'm sorry. That's awesome that you're a good person. That's noble. That's admirable. But it doesn't, it didn't purchase your salvation. Your goodness doesn't purchase your salvation. There's only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ, through his work. I say it all the time. Not one drop of his blood that was shed was in vain. Not one drop of his blood that hit the ground was in vain. Every drop that fell from his body had purpose. And that was for you and for me so that we could be with the Father, so that we could be whole. 
We are here today to celebrate Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. We worship and we sing about Jesus, the defeater of death. The one who loves you and loves me. And he desires to have a relationship with us. Not just to be worshipped like some icon, some image on a wall, but who desires a relationship with us. That's why we were created, to be in relationship with him. He loves you. He loves me. He has a plan for you. That's not cliche. That's not wishful thinking. Church, either we believe it or we don't. Let's believe it. He has a plan for you. He has a plan. He has a purpose with everything we do. Something bad happens. Hey, God's got a, a plan to turn it for our good and His glory. We're not, as Christians, we ain't promised you know, the rosy path that we won't encounter difficulties. We will. We follow the lead of Jesus. He ran into some difficulties. But we are promised He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We are promised that He will turn it for our good and for His glory. He has a plan for us. Those are the words that we need to remember. Romans 10, 9-16 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple. It is that simple. It's not, it's not complicated. We believe and we call out to Him. We say yes to Him, to His plan. We believe and we confess Him as Lord and Savior of our lives. We have to place our trust in Him. Do you believe? Are you ready to call His name? I'm speaking to both people that have placed their trust in God and people that have never placed their trust in God. But maybe today, you do. Do you believe? If you are a Christian and you believe, let your actions support your belief. Back it up. Back it up. If you believe it, live it. Let your actions be loud. Louder than words. Let your actions be loud. Are you ready to call on His name? Christians, we call upon the name of the Lord and He's there. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I ask the same questions to you. Do you believe? Do you believe that He paid the price for your sin? I don't care how dark that past was. I don't care. Jesus paid the price for it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that He died and his body laid in the tomb. And on the third day, he conquered death and he rose from the grave. Do you believe that? The Bible says if you believe that, and then you, you call out and confess his name, that you'll be saved. If you're here today and you've never done that, are you ready to say yes to him? That simple. It's not about church. It's 
not about religion. It's about 